0: my kids teach me every day that, that they listen too close. Uh, they, they listen too closely. They are masters at giving me exactly what I give to them. They, they, they bring that same energy to every conversation, you know? And so from that standpoint, it lets me see that some things aren't, aren't taught, they're caught. Welcome to The Art of Fatherhood, a podcast that takes you on the journey of fatherhood. Now, here's your host, Art Eddy.
1: This week's The Art of Fatherhood podcast is being brought to you by Belly. Attention all dads-to-be. It's time to supercharge your journey to fatherhood with Belly Prenatal for Men. Why Belly? Because sperm counts and you're 50% of the pregnancy equation. This is your legacy, so why not bring the best genes you can to the whole baby-making process? It's an easy way to support your partner, optimize your fertility, promote healthy sperm, and give your future little you a great start to life. Visit babybelly.com now and get ready to rock the adventure of fatherhood with Belly by your side. Belly, where fatherhood truly begins. What's going on, everybody? Already here for another edition of the Art of Fatherhood podcast. I'm very honored to have this gentleman on. It's none other than Montel Jordan. Thanks for taking the time to chat with me, sir. How you doing?
0: I'm fantastic. Good to see you. Thank you for your platform and everybody that's watching uh, us right now.
1: Looking forward to chatting with you about uh, the great things you do on your platform with your wife, talking with other couples and marriage and uh, you guys lead through faith. And a lot of things that I think I'm I'm very happy that you're on this show for, because we're going to talk about father. We're going to talk about a lot of things. And you and your family are very open. And I think it takes courage to be open. It takes courage to share not only the positive sides, but also maybe the tough times you guys experience. Uh, one of your sons, you guys uh, sang a song together about reuniting and, and a lot of different things. But again, it takes a lot of courage. I t- I've talked to a lot of dads here that have seen maybe dads that weren't there for them and maybe continued on that cycle, but you broke that cycle. You understood like, I gotta be there for my kids. So just talk first and foremost, why you and your wife kind of chose, I mean, you have a great platform. A lot of people know you from your music career um, and now also the, the great things you do through your church, but like talk about why you guys wanted to be so open.
0: I think that uh, both Kristen and I, we've been married now for almost 30 years. Congrats. Uh, and uh, the, uh, the I think the beautiful thing is when terrible stuff happens to you, uh, if you don't get a chance to share it, it's just terrible stuff that happens to you. And it, and it happens with no purpose. I think when you get to share it, it then becomes a testimony and then becomes useful. Uh, and so from that standpoint, we just determined that transparency is the thing we wanted to be known for as a couple in our in our marriage and our parenting and everything we do, we've taken that place of transparency uh, over nakedness. And basically, what that means is uh, everybody can't handle people's individual nakedness, like certain stories, certain things you've been through, certain pieces of your journey. People shouldn't shouldn't have access to that. But transparency isn't uh, see you, it's see through. And so from that standpoint, when it comes to parenting, when it comes to marriage, when it comes to all the different things that we've navigated through, and we've navigated through some some minefields, man, uh, to make it through to almost 30 years. Uh, and so our healing process for us is through transparency, allowing other people to see where we were and what God brought us. To, and then it gives hope for them because we are transparently giving cheat codes to life and life hacks to, you know, to parenting and to marriage uh, and overcoming certain things that would normally take a couple out.
1: No doubt. Again, thank you for sharing that. And thank you for the platform you guys are using for good. Talk about some of the values you guys were looking to instill into your kids as they're growing up.
0: Um, I think one of the greatest gifts that we've been able to give our kids uh, is uh, them having their own faith, meaning we have modeled uh, what it is for us with in the Christian faith, and allowed them to be able to know God for themselves, which is great because we have all of our kids who are in faith, and they were able to, and they are able to make that decision on their own. You know, you can only live off mom and daddy's faith for so long. At some point, God's gotta be real to you on, you know, on a level that you can comprehend that God is real to you. And so um, I think that part of that journey for us in fatherhood, motherhood, and parenting is not just trying to put a roof over your head and food on the table. Uh, I think it's about putting a covering over your body and, and foods for your spiritual soul, you know. And so from that standpoint, we've been trying to feed our kids, well so that they know uh, that the the word is something that's living. It's something that they can chew on and digest and uh, allow that to be the thing that they'll be able to hold on to when, when mom and daddy is no longer here.
1: Well said. Yeah, I I totally agree. I got two daughters, my wife and I, we've told them, and I love the fact that like, they need to find, like you said, your kids needed to find faith on their own. We've kind of encouraged our, our daughters to do that as well. And they've kind of taught us certain things about faith and spirituality um that maybe we didn't i didn't have a chance to tell my parents or share but the the circle of communication that my daughters and my wife and i have is i think is very similar to what you guys have in your household too where you want to have that open line of communication and all that um so the next question that kind of leads into that like talk about something that your kids have taught you either about yourself or about life that maybe you didn't know was there until you became a dad
0: <laughs> My kids teach me every day that that they listen too close. Uh, they <laughs> they listen too closely. They are masters at giving me exactly what I give to them. They 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 bring that same energy to every conversation, you know. And so, from that standpoint, it lets me see that some things aren't aren't taught; they're caught. I, I think they're always watching, no matter how young they are. They're picking up. uh, here's, here's a great story. Uh, this just happened the other day. I have an 11 year old and she's so, so funny because they pick up everything. It's like one day we're eating food. We finished dinner. This was a couple of weeks ago, but we're finishing dinner. Uh, and, uh, I finished my plate pretty quickly. And I said, man, I didn't like that at all. And so the 11 year old goes, but dad, you, you finished everything. And so I said, Oh no, honey, that, that was sarcasm. Right, and so I've now introduced my 11 year old daughter to to sarcasm, and so um, later, about a week later, she's eating and she finishes her food, uh, and she goes, "Yeah, I didn't like that at all," and then we all laugh, and then she goes, "That's sarcasm," (laughs) and so now, so now, so now, I have to go. Okay, honey. The the point of it being sarcasm is you say it, but you don't have to say that sarcasm. So now it's another layer upon which she is building to try and and do that. So let me let me bring it full circle. Those were weeks ago, but so now that you get the mindset of this this eleven year old, uh, this is funny. Um, there was something that happened where we were in the in the room and she was trying to talk, and there was something happening. She wasn't picking up what was going on and i said to her honey you got to read the room you got to read the room and she didn't fully comprehend what that meant or whatever but over time you know literally just last night we're having dinner and something is happening and i can't remember fully what what went on but she leaned over to me and she said dad you're not reading the room and i was like oh my god <laughs> she's so on point so all that to say some things are Uh, Some things are taught, but some things are caught. And my kids have shown me through the things they give back to me, the sayings that I say, the mannerisms that they are always watching, always taking in and always ready to give back what a father gives to
1: them love that story i know a lot of dads including myself or parents listening to this can be like yep we've had those moments and again of course you would definitely update a phrase i always say and probably my listeners hate me saying this you know you gotta not only uh talk the talk but walk the walk you you refresh it and saying it's not only taught but caught so thank you very much for doing that yeah. so I, I love yeah. i love that phrase and i think you, you got an abundance of them just you know chat with you right now about it but a dad hack or a piece of advice for new dads listening to this, or just any parent listening to this, what what would you like to offer to them?
0: Uh, dad hack for new dads or early on dads. Um, I think that whether you've had a great experience with your own father or no experience at all with being parented from a, a good, solid father, um, I would say that there is parenting available, there's fatherhood available uh that you humanly may not have access to and so once again some things are taught and then some things are caught and i think even in fathering there are things about me i'm a, i'm adopted i had a adoptive daughter dad who's been in my life my my entire life uh, i didn't find out i was adopted till i was 16 years old though uh and so a lot of my parenting as great and as as good as a provider and, and, and as good of a man as my, my dad, Mr. Jordan, is, uh, there were certain things I just couldn't get from him. And those things had to come from a place that was not humanly possible. And so uh, if you're picking up what I'm putting down here, there's a spiritual aspect to fatherhood that uh, what may not be written uh, in a textbook or displayed through a human father there are certain things that are caught, I think, in the spirit that allow you to know how to parent or how to father a son. Quick example, um, my kids, uh, my older sons or whatever, I kiss my sons. I'll kiss them on the cheek. I'll grab them you know, some by the head and let them know I, I love you. The Bible talks about a greeting with a, a brotherly kiss. It's not anything goofy. It's not anything uh, out of the ordinary. It's just I have taught my sons what father to son to male on male uh, um, uh, appropriate affection looks like between men. And so from that standpoint, I give that gift to my sons so that they know this is what appropriate male to male contact is supposed to look and feel like because they're getting it from a father. And I think a lot of times when you don't get that, uh, you don't know what that's supposed to look like or what that's supposed to feel like. And so you create that on your own. And that's not for controversy. This is for me and my sons. Part of what I've imparted into them is something that some people say, well, let them figure it out on their own. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I believe that uh, there's something that can be caught from a father uh, that allows sonship and daughtership to be imparted through uh, through a father.
1: Great, great. I appreciate you sharing that. Great insight. And I also like what you said at the, towards the end where you're like, this is what works for me. I'm not trying to be controversial. I think we sometimes live in a society where everybody, if if you say something or I say something like, well, that's not how I want to live my life. It, it We're not asking you to live your life that way. It's just the idea of what I asked you a question. You shared your thoughts about fatherhood. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think more and more people need to understand that unless you feel like you're physically you know, or getting someone like telling you you need to do this, but you're just sharing your own experience and, and just the way you and your family um, communicate and, and show love and emotion. So I love that. Um, moving forward too, just the idea that sometimes when you have kids, the things that got that get lost in the shuffle shuffle is the love that you had with your partner. Right. And so I remember every time before my kids, were born i'd open the car door for my wife and i'd be like hey here you go and then as soon as we had our daughter we're bringing her out and i i helped her obviously my wife first time you know giving birth like helped her in the car and all that good stuff and actually the nurse helped me but like maybe like three months out when we're actually doing stuff i'm like making sure the car goes in and she she kind of it was tongue-in-cheek she's like you know you used to open the door for me you know and all that and just a kid, and i'm like <laughs> that like it was a good joke but it was also like i gotta make sure that i'm nurturing the love that i have with my wife that you know through courtship and then through marriage and all that other stuff and it was just us t- us two so people go to montel and kristen.com and of course we'll put up links here at art you guys talk about certain things that couples can go through or experience and all that talk a little bit about something that maybe is a topic that always seems to come up uh with couples that you know when it, when it comes to like maybe being a new family adding a child in that maybe you'd like to, uh, you know, share with my audience?
0: Yeah, I, I think one of the things that is a recurrent theme, especially with new new parents, is the things that they used to do, that, like you said, not just opening car doors or things like that, but time that's spent uh, that you now would sleep uh, or rather because you're too tired or uh, intimacy, uh, date nights, all those different things, all the things you did before the kid uh, that sounds like a book right there. What you did before the kid. All the things you did before the kid or kids are things that you don't do anymore. And I think for a season, it's okay to adapt uh, to uh, to your new family environment. Uh, but I think that it's important to have some form of trustworthy community or family network or unit surrounding you so that you can protect Mommy and daddy, uh, uh, and you protect mommy and daddy by being husband and wife. I, I think that if you just now are mom and dad, and that's who you are, and you abandon husband and wife, and and lovers of each other, that's not healthy for mom and dad. Because yeah. at some point, you know, my wife and I say at some point uh, your kids leave. Uh, you, you you want them at some point to leave, and then what do you have left after that? What you've invested all into mom and dad and didn't invest in husband and wife. And you know, one of the things that Kristen and I do, even with our adult kids, now we date and, and our 11 our year old daughter knows, hey, mommy and daddy going on a date night. Well, I can't, go. no, because this is mommy and daddy. Mommy and daddy come first. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of people put their kids first and don't recognize it. If, if husband and wife can't come before mommy and daddy, um, it's setting up a template uh, of disorder in a family of them thinking, well, I always come first. And then, therefore, when your parents are now filing for divorce, you don't understand, well, what happened? What happened is you got all the investment, you know, in you and such a well rounded person that mom and dad couldn't invest in each other as a husband and a wife.
1: Love that. Yeah. And, it, and it's a great example. You're, again, laying a foundation of what you're supposed to be like for, you know, if, if they want to get married or whatever, like you're, again, showing by example and I love that. What you know for for you with the different things you've experienced in your career whether it was music or through church or through uh the program you and your wife have what do your kids kind of think because it's also a great learning tool or just a teaching tool being like yeah like some people would just feel like yep I I've you know accomplished so much like you did in the music industry but like you're doing other things now too talk about like the the all the different things and all the different hats you wear as a great teaching example for your kids that you don't just have to focus on one particular profession or vocation, right? So just kind of talk a little bit about that because I think that's really impressive.
0: Yeah, well, I think that, and and this is a double edged sword for me. If I'm, I'm being honest, Art, it's um, we do a a lot, and we had to learn the difference between uh, balancing and prioritizing. Um, I think when you are balancing or you're trying to balance, you're trying to give equal value to things that don't necessarily deserve equal value. Like I know people that's trying to balance their job and their marriage. Uh, you, you should not be trying to balance your job and your marriage. Why are you trying to give equal value to something that's not deserving of equal value? Um, I think it comes to prioritizing. And then anything that's prioritized can more easily be be balanced. And so uh, in that, I'm I'm preaching to the choir because we, my wife and I, we are husband and wife. We are parents. We are pastors of a virtual church. We are uh, 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 conservators of a a safe space for marriages to get healed with a place called the Jordan River. Uh, And that is a place for public marriages to heal in private. And so, with all those different things, like they all are vying for a position, you know, well, you got to help marriages. Well, you got to save souls. Will you got to do help the 11 year old with her homework. Well, you got to rest your body. You know, there's a lot of different things. And so, we are now in the position of, of prioritizing and allowing our kids to be along in that journey that when they say, Hey, mom and dad, y'all are running too fast, you're doing too much, you know, to be able to say, Okay, at the expense of these other married couples at the expense of the church, if our kids, which they are prioritized above those other things uh, because they are our responsibility and not our opportunity, I think God honors your uh, opportunities when you honor your responsibilities. I've never said that before. Uh, I think God honors your, your opportunities when you honor your responsibilities. And so by us prioritizing, God, you come first. My wife comes next. My kids come next. Then my church can come next. Or then my this can come next. I have a clear set of boundaries and balancing tools to be able to know when something is out of order and off balance. And it can tip the whole thing over. I don't know if I'm answering your question. correctly No, you, there, no, but-
1: no, you, you definitely are. And it's the idea of Now, with just technology, and like, oh, yeah, we can do this or we can do that. And like, yeah, we can, even though Wednesday's packed, let's do something for Thursday and there's no actual time to like rest, whether you're by yourself or you're, you know, with your wife or your spouse, your partner or, you know, your kids or just whatever. Um, sometimes we're like, all right, how can I add this in? And it's also like, yeah, do an inventory, like, all right, what can I take out to make sure the important things are getting. Enough water, right? In this garden that you have, like how how do how do you make sure? Like, all right, we need to water this every day. The other things they don't need that much care because it's not that important on the grand scheme of things, right? I I feel like that's what you're kind of saying, right?
0: Yeah, that's great. I I I haven't fully subscribed to it because it's tough, but my wife is now on this thing of whenever we want to add something, she'll say, "Well, what do we take away? Like, if if you want to if you want to do this, what goes?" What yeah. what what goes away, and so it's a, it's it's a tough thing, but it's a very very accurate way to be able to look at just because you could doesn't mean you should.
1: <laughs> no doubt. A uh, couple more questions about your music career, and then we're going to finish off with the father quick five. And again, I really appreciate your time. Uh, you know, growing up, I'm forty, so growing up. Well, oh, 40, actually 44. I'm in my 40s, I should have said, but I'm 44. But like growing up, man, you're like, this is how we do it. Obviously, some for the honey. All these different songs, man, were great. I, I loved growing up and it's funny. White dude from New Hampshire, like loved hip hop and RB and all that other <laughs> stuff. Had turntables because I thought I was the man, all that good stuff. But like, this is how we do it. Is an evergreen song, man. Like it still comes on. People still love it. Uh, You know, you see the videos of people experiencing it for the first time and they love it. So you, I know you probably get a kick out of that, but talk about like when you started into the music you know industry and all that like what kind of paved you or inspired you to get down that path
0: um i was always brought up uh a musical kid uh so that for me being brought up in church uh rhythms harmonies melodies spiritual stuff i i mean that was just my upbringing so music was kind of the the foundation of of my everything growing up as a kid. I wasn't a great athlete. I wasn't fast. I wasn't, I was tall, but no basketball skills uh, and, and named Jordan at that. So that sucked <laughs> yeah. in high school. Uh, but, but through all of that, the thing I was good at and consistent at was music, whether it was playing music or writing music or or arranging music, that was kind of my sweet spot. And so that's the, the underlying thread from my childhood up through, high school, uh, until college, and after college, you know, the the common thread of my life has been uh, that music has been a soundtrack to my entire life, and so from that standpoint, I think that has been the, the foundational thing that from This Is How We Do It and the other songs and other albums, it's been a consistent theme. Even now, pastoring and doing the things I do, I still get a chance to tour, and that song is something that uh, allows me access into the lives of not just, you know, people back that love music from the nineties, but it's a, a multi-generational type of song, multi-cultural, multi-ethnic song. I get people send me stuff all the time. Oh, there's a wedding over in India and they're playing. This is how we do it at the reception. I'm <laughs> like, cool, Let, you know, let's do that. Let's do that. You know, yeah. I got kids in college and we gotta, we gotta keep them there, you know?
1: <laughs> nice. And I, I know, I mean, there is still. I I used to. Uh, I had a career in radio. It was like DJ and morning show producing all that stuff. So what was I your DJ radio, name, Art? What,
0: what was your DJ name?
1: Oh, so it. I was working. It was funny too. Like so. Like I was saying, white dude from New Hampshire loves hip hop on R and B. Got to New Jersey. Was working for a classic rock station, and my name was Artie Scorsese because I failed this one bit that we were trying to do. <laughs> so that was my DJ name back in the day when I was like spinning hip hop and all that stuff. It was DJ Crazy with a K. Now, now with a C, it was a K. So, um, got you, got you, I love it. For radio, like I know people like music is played on the radio, and you know I'm not a musician, so I I don't know today what it feels like. But back then, th- there was no YouTube, there was no like other things. I mean, obviously, I had MTV and VH1, all that stuff. But what was it like when the first time you heard it on the radio, like this is legit, man, this is happening. How was that like?
0: First time I remember hearing my song on the radio. I had driven with a radio rep from Los Angeles to Las Vegas. And there was a station in Las Vegas, an R&B station, that was playing the song all while I was there doing the interview like you and I are doing. And just in the background, the song was playing. And one of the reasons the song was so big was because, you know, in in that era where songs were four minutes, five minutes long, this is how we, we do it. it was only like a, you know, a three minute long song. And so radio stations could could play it over and over again. And so... I did the interview, left the station, and as I left the station, we're in the car driving back up the uh, the, the freeway, uh, and this we were listening to the station. We're like, thank you, Munsell Jordan, for coming in, man. We love that song so much. Yo, let's just do that thing one more time, and uh, this is how it came on, and I literally driving down that, that desert highway, I, I rolled down my... Look at me. I rolled down my window and I held my head. Somebody don't know what that is. So I, I had to roll down my window and I held my head out the window and I just started screaming. Yeah. And then uh, that's the first time I remember uh, hearing my own, own song on the radio.
1: Love it, man. One more question. I, that's, I, I just really appreciate that, man. Cause that's such a, such a classic hit. And it's still, like I said, like people are still playing it today and it's just, it's still like evergreen, man. I love it. How do you think music, Maybe not just the industry, but music has evolved. I mean, I feel like whether it's sports or movies or music, the era you were growing up, that's the best. That's the golden age of music. But for you, as someone who has that musical ear and knows about the industry, how do you feel that music has evolved throughout, you know, from the time you started to now and how people digest it, consume it and the different music set, the styles that are out there?
0: Uh, that's a big question. I'm going to try and 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 pick it <laughs> apart uh, uh, as best I can. Uh, music then versus music now. I think that the the main difference for me is that and and understand when I got into the business, I wasn't like this welcome arm. Hey, Montel, welcome to r and Welcome to the music industry. <laughs> you know, there were there were classic artists, the Lionel Richies and the Luther Vandrosses and the Freddie Jackson people who were purveyors of of R&B music. And when I came along with my reach for my 40 and I turn it up and that wasn't readily received. That wasn't like, Oh yeah, welcome to the world of R&B. That was (laughs) what the, what the hell is that? That's not real R&B. And so every new generation of music that comes along, it's gotta, you know, navigate its, its pros and cons of the people that came before it, that look at it and can judge it according to what, what, their lens is. And so now with my lens of looking at what's out there now, what I can say is one of the major differences between music then and music now uh is that people bought into artists and artistry and nowadays people buy into songs. Mm. And I don't mean buy physically buy. I mean if you like a song, you don't know who that artist necessarily is. You just like the song. Whereas when I liked Daryl Hall and John Oates, when I liked Sade, I bought into the artist. And so I purchased materials that I, with my hard earned money, I went out and I purchased things that I could act. It's funny, I'm sitting like, I could could hold something that actually tangibly was mine that I purchased from that artist to say, I value you and I appreciate you. Whereas today, if I like the song, I can just go, oh, and I add it to my playlist and there's no transaction that happens. So the investment in artistry is the thing that's different. Now you can stream a song and that person can make nothing or they can make millions, but there's no investment there that I took part in building and being a part of your career and your career journey because I just really like the song. But I don't know anything about the artists that because there's no currency now that's being invested uh, into modern day music. So for me, that's the that's the biggest yeah. difference that I can stream you a billion times and not know anything about you.
1: Wow. Great, great perspective on that. And too, like think about like you said too. like I remember back in the day, like CD singles or imports, you buy it like Circuit City or Best Buy and it was like, it was something that you weren't able to like hear in the States. Maybe it was in England, you know, they were playing over in England like a version or whatever. But now it's like when I buy your album, right? I get to hear all of your tracks and it almost tells a story. Now it's like you buy one track or you just listen, you put on your Spotify playlist and you put in the, you know, the algorithm say like, oh, if you like this, and you're probably going to like this song and not, you don't discover the artist. So
0: right. spot
1: on on that. Yeah. I, like, there's no investment in the artist and not hearing their whole their whole story in an album so 100% man love that Here we're gonna finish off with a father quick five favorite family movie do you guys have one
0: uh favorite family movie talladega nights
1: (laughs) i'm all jacked up. that says a
0: lot about our family (laughs) i don't know what to do with my hands
1: (laughs) i always say like i'm gonna scissor kick you (laughs)
0: Uh, yeah <laughs> i'll jump on you like a spider monkey yeah that's one that we can we can quote all all day long.
1: favorite uh genre of music you and your family uh enjoy together
0: oh that's an easy one we are definitely probably 70s nice. r&b like all my kids know i would say 70s early 80s r&b like all my kids they know the spinners They know early Michael Jack, like they are, they are, you can see in the back, I got some albums, Diana Ross and Michael Jackson back there. Like all my kids, they probably can't tell you little baby or the baby or baby, baby, or they can't tell you any of the, well, they they probably can, but they can, they can tell you PYT from Michael Jackson is pretty young thing. And they, you know, so they, they are, they are uh, connoisseurs of, of soul, soul music.
1: Nice. My oldest, she's definitely into like pop and she loves like, like, you know, 70s music and all that other stuff. My youngest, she plays a saxophone and she and I love like, you know, the Gap Band and, you know, Stevie Wonder and all that stuff. And she has like different uh, jazz artists that she loves. So it's kind of cool to see the different perspectives. Uh, Mm -hmm. Describe the perfect family vacation. Where would it be?
0: Oh, perfect family vacation is probably uh, always somewhere, probably in Orlando. Uh, uh, where the whole family and kids and grandkids can all be together in the same house with a pool uh, and eating uh, and access to local local amusement parks and a beach. That for us is probably the the ideal.
1: You mentioned like investing in in an artist. So what was the first album you purchased? Do you remember what it was? First
0: album I purchased was Prince's Purple Rain album awesome awesome album (laughs) and where do you go after that i mean come on you know that's the first album probably first single i ever purchased was paid in full by eric b and rakim
1: Oh, nice.
0: where do you go from that you know the starting point of these things so
1: that's amazing love it and lastly top three words you hope your kids would use to describe you as a dad what would you want them to be
0: wow bro um (laughs) top three words, uh, committed, uh, present,
1: uh, and faithful. Nice. Great. Three words right there. People make sure you follow Montel on Twitter and Instagram at Montel Jordan. In addition, check out their website, Montel A lot of great things they're doing there again. Thank you so much. It's an honor chatting chat with you. Big fan of your work and not just the music, but everything you're doing to help, uh, people, you know, just grow in, in, in faith and love and spirit, spirituality, um, I, I just wish you and your family continued success. But again, thank you for this time. It meant a lot.
0: Thank you for your platform. Thank you for your time as well. You're extremely valuable. Your voice matters, man. And I'm glad I could spend the time with you today.
1: Thank you, sir. I want to thank this week's sponsor, Belly, for sponsoring the Art of Fatherhood podcast. I really appreciate their support. And I love the fact that they're looking to help not just women, but also men as they look to start a family. So for more information, make sure you go to their website at bellybaby.com. And while you're on the internet, please rate, subscribe, and review to the Art of Fatherhood podcast and check out my site at Artofatherhood.net. There's columns on fatherhood, spotlighting dads who are doing things right, There's pop culture stories that I write with my family. There's a lot of other great things you can check out there at my site. And you can also win some cool stuff and get the latest and greatest in all things family. So make sure you go to artoffatherhood.net and rate, subscribe, and review to the Art of Fatherhood podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks for listening to the Art of Fatherhood podcast. Leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts and go to ArtOfFatherhood.net.